Now, on this Invest Talk podcast, Justin Klein listens to your questions. So let's take a question now, this time from the United Arab Emirates. Hi, my name is Ali. I'm calling you from the UAE. I'm looking at BYND, Beyond Meat. I've owned it before, and I did really well with it, but I sold it on an on a adequate time. And provides unbiased answers. It's a loss-making company. I challenged people a couple weeks ago. Give me companies, bring me companies that have positive cash flow, that aren't a story, that have real businesses. Invest Talk, over 37 million downloads and counting across America and around the world. Your participation makes it unique. 888-99-CHART. This podcast is produced by KPP Financial. Steve Peasley, President. KPP Financial, independent thinking, shared success. And now today's podcast. Good afternoon, fellow investors, and welcome back to Invest Talk. This is our Wednesday, January 19th, 2022 edition of Invest Talk. And I am here on today's show to help you navigate uh, this market, navigate your financial situation, and understand the variabilities that go with all types of investments. The uncertainty, be able to embrace that uncertainty, but also capitalize on that uncertainty as well. Now, right now, we're in uh, an uncertain market environment, And that brings risk, but also brings opportunity as well. And there are changing market dynamics today, and especially over the past few weeks. And the question is, did it surprise you or scare you? Did it bring bring about any emotions? And do you know how to take advantage of that change? Or are you going to be the one that's disadvantaged? By the transition. Now, how you react in various market backdrops, various market conditions, will depend a lot on how you come out the other end. Are you looking at it using data and reason? Or are you simply following emotion and stories? So we enter this this year with some challenges, and my job is to help you navigate through those challenges. And I'm going to do that by operating with my mission statement, which is always independent thinking and shared success. So it's my assurance to you that no matter what I'm talking about, I'm here to give you the facts as I see them in front of me, a lot of data, and a lot of perspective, 20 plus years of investment experience. So if we're talking about a particular ETF for mutual fund or a company or just simply an asset class or a strategy. I am here to present you the pros and cons and give it to you all without bias. So I'm Justin Klein. I encourage you to reach out to me with your finance and investment questions. And you can do that right now during our live stream program from four to five Pacific time. Or you can leave a question on our anytime voice bank. Either way, the number cha- never changes. It's 888-99-CHART. 
Yes, Mike, a question uh, in regard to Teladoc, T-D-O-C. I see by the Internet that it is supposed to make a turnaround. I'd like to hear your comments. Thank you. Bye. Well, this is Teladoc, a name that is already off what? Uh, what are we off from, from the 52-week high? It's down 75%. And... It looks like it's had a lower. This is a money losing company. And I, I don't know what you mean by, oh, I hear on the internet. You, you don't, you don't, that's not what you want. That's not your investment process. I hope that's not in your investment process. Oh, I hear, I read something. No, it's understanding the business, understanding the, the path towards profitability. If it's not profitable uh, and non-profitable companies are going to struggle right now, which you've seen. Uh, and then being able to understand what is a reasonable price to pay for those future earnings. And for Teladoc and a lot of these high-flying growth names, they have struggled to get to profitability. It's growth at all costs type of mantra. And those costs are typically the cost to the balance sheet uh, to shareholders. And that's why a lot of these names continue to struggle. Now, the question is, what is a reasonable valuation? Well, they, they don't earn money. And so until they start to get some semblance to be able to earn money, it's very difficult to, to value this. And this is a perfect example of the type of companies that burn capital and just issue shares. Their business is mainly just to issue shares. Teladoc had 20 million shares outstanding in 2015, went to 42 the next year, went to 55 the year after, 66 the year after that, 72 the year after that, 91 the year after that, and trailing 12 months, get this. Now 149 million shares outstanding. So what you can see here is that when the price starts going down, which it did start for in March of last year is when it peaked, throughout all of last year, the price kept going down. What did they do? They had to sell more and more shares to keep themselves going, to fund that negative cash flow. And as the price goes down, you just dilute shareholders even more. So it's reflexive in that way. And so I continue to see them flooding the market with shares and the stock continue to go down until they can figure out a path to profitability and analysts are expecting this year they lose a dollar 77 2019 they lost a dollar 38 so they lost more money during 2020 that's $4.46 this is supposed to be a, a, a business that is going to do better when People can't travel. They can't uh, go and see their doctor, right? This is Teladoc. This is on-demand healthcare services, video conferencing with your doctor. They can't make money in that environment. So what makes you think that this is a, a name that uh, is going to turn around anytime soon? A very, this is a great quote. I don't even know who said it, but I thought it was very interesting. What What is a stock that's down 90%? What is a stock that da that's down 90%? Well, it's a stock that's down 80% and then goes down 50% from there. Remember that. So even though the stock is down 75%, would not shock me at all to get down 90%, which would be somewhere around $30. And that's where I'd be maybe interested in it, but not yet. Let's go to Greg in New York City looking at IWM. Hi there. I'm um, really enjoying the show. Uh, looking to... Um, get your opinion on IWM, and when do you think it's time to uh, buy small caps? Uh, do you think 
given the market environment. Now is the time for an ETF like IWM. No, uh, no, no, no. So uh, we're we're entering uh, the first half of this year is going to be a decelerating growth, decelerating inflationary environment. And in that environment, you want to be focusing more on large cap names and on on better companies with better balance sheets, more stable businesses. That doesn't mean every sector, right? But within the particular sectors that are going to do well, uh, industrials, financials, uh, utilities, uh, commodities, basic materials, things like that, you want to be in the larger cap names. So in the second half of the year, I think smaller cap is probably a better better way to go. I think when the Fed pivots, which they eventually will, uh, that'll probably be the place to be. But uh, no, I would not be buying small caps right now, at least until the second half of the year. Probably. Okay. Thanks for the call. Now we're off to a great start. We got a, we had we addressed a live call as well as a voicemail, and I'm excited for either one. Uh, we're going to have a lot of those on today's show, and. We'd love to have you as a live call. So we're heading into a quick break, but I'm here taking your calls now on Invest Talk at 888 chart. No two investors have an identical portfolio. So each investor will have different questions. I guess I'm wondering how I should kind of diversify. If the questions specific to your portfolio aren't being asked, your situation is not addressed. And I wanted your thoughts on the cannabis market. Steve Peasley and Justin Klein take Invest Talk listener questions each weekday during the program live stream in the 4 to 5 p.m. hour Pacific time. The Invest Talk Voice Bank never closes, so your questions are always welcome. As a newer investor, my question concerns positions. You have the right to remain silent, but why would you when anything you ask will be used to help you create your financial freedom? I think it'll probably go higher. And so I would keep a tight stop on it. So don't forget to call Invest Talk 888 99Chart. Your objective is to work hard, plan well, and achieve financial freedom, right? You're in luck because Justin Klein is here now, ready to take your finance and investment questions. Call 888-99-CHART. Now, my focus point today is based on the story behind this headline. Home builders' confidence has dropped for the first time in four months. And builders are facing uncertain uncertainty and some challenges around labor shortages as well as higher interest rates and just simply the cost of inputs. And we're going to look at that and what that can mean for your plans in the coming months if you are in the real estate market in some way, shape, or form. So we're going to touch on that. I also want to look at the current wreckage in uh, the market and where the losses are concentrated and then oil demand the iea the international energy association well the agency excuse me international energy agency they came out with their projections for oil demand in 2022 and even up their full year 2021 guidance because uh, they haven't fully uh, accounted for it all but i want to touch on that because that is certainly important in understanding the energy mix and energy demand within our economy. And then lastly, 
office leases. There's some interesting things going on underneath the surface of what look what looks like still stable rents on offices. But that's not the whole picture. And we're going to unpack that as well. But let's look at the market today. We had the S&P down 44 points, about 1%. So a decent down day there. The NASDAQ itself, the COMPQ, let's see what that was. Just pull that up here. Yeah, down 166 points, a little bit over 1%. Now, certainly getting into oversold uh, territory and into some support. We are in option X week, so it's not uncommon to see a lot of uh, whipsaw volatility in this type of week, and and, uh, I think you're seeing that here uh, now. So uh, this is something that is not unexpected. It really isn't. Uh, But I still think our liquidity situation remains relatively robust. You're not seeing a rollover in uh, credit spreads. That's one thing I think will cause the the Fed to cry uncle and start to walk back some of their of, of their tightening uh, rhetoric. Uh, the rumor was yesterday that they're thinking about a 50 basis point increase in rates in March as opposed to just a 25 basis point uh, increase. And that's something that's... I think is a bit overblown, but what was interesting today, a couple things happened. One gold broke out. Gold certainly, uh, had a a fantastic uh, day. Uh, GDX was up about 6% or so. Yeah. About 6%. Gold itself was up about two and a half percent. And what else? Um, Oh, credit spreads. I wanted to, that was the other thing. Credit spreads, They've been holding up. Today, they did. It was a little bit of a weakness. The first weekday that I've seen really in a while. So, you know, could the. That's the indicator to me that the Fed is walking into a policy error. Okay. So uh, you're starting to get a little bit of signs there that the Fed's peacockishness is, is here. Now let's keep things moving and swim back to swing back to the Invest Talk Voice Bank for a question that came in earlier on eight 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 ninety nine chart. Hey Justin, I heard your podcast last Monday where you're challenging folks to bring stocks and companies that are relevant to today's market. So I think I got one. You let me know. It's Sigma Lithium, S G M L. I'm thinking about buying it. It looks like it's had a pretty good run in the last six months. I was just wondering uh, what your take was on it. And if it was a go, what would be a good buy point, if not now? Thanks, guys. Bye. All right. This is a, a great question. I think he's referring to uh, probably a little bit of rant I had around Christmas time where people were just kept bringing all these money-losing story stocks. They're going down and thinking that this is time to buy. And, and clearly, you know, they continue to go lower. And uh, you have to wait for a washout. Uh, and saying shift into uh, areas that are in demand, uh, have uh, profits, and uh, are are uh, typically do well in an environment where inflation is going up. And he's bringing Sigma Lithium Corp. And I think this is one step the right direction, but not nearly far enough. So you're probably thinking, well, instead of just buying the EVs, let's go buy what goes into EVs. So lithium, lithium-ion batteries. 
and I've said this before, lithium is, is pretty low on the list of the types of minerals uh, that and commodities that I would want to invest in. Why? Because lithium is a, is a salt. It's not, it's not hard to find. And so you have to under, supply, understand supply and demand. I much rather own like a copper. Uh, and then this one doesn't make any money, it continues to, to lose money. It's lost money for the last five years. So no, this is one step, but you need to cleanse your brain of the EV revolution, etc. Think of standard, typical, straightforward businesses. Now we're heading into a break. I'm ready to take your calls at 888-99-CHART. No two portfolios are alike. And every investor has a unique set of circumstances. So don't forget to call InvestTalk. 888-99-CHART. Now let's pivot to my focus point today, which is in regards to home builder confidence and that it dropped the first time in four months. Now it wasn't a big drop, one point to 83 in January. Now anything above 50 is positive. But that is the first drop in four months. But 83 is still pretty high. Now what they cite in the small drop is higher material costs, lack of availability for labor. That's difficult. And it's adding weeks to the typical single family construction time. So with the dearth of supply on the market in the real estate sector, the natural supply response of home builders building more is not not as robust. Now they're certainly still building uh, and you had the uh, you had the uh, the data that came out today. Let me take a look at that real quick. US housing starts were up uh, 1.4% month over month and US building permits were up 9% month over month. So they still plan to build more. They're they're they want to do it. So even though they're saying they're having trouble they're still making plans to build more. And that just shows you that despite the challenges, they're making good money on their homes that they're building. So they're still laying out plans to do so and finding ways around it. Now, the NAHB, this is coming from the National Association of Home Builders. They indicate the aggregate cost of residential construction materials has increased 19% since December of 2020. So uh, year over year. Lumber up 85% in the last three months. Remember, it spiked big uh, last spring and then came out down over the summer dramatically. Well, it's up big because of uh, Western wildfires as well as Canadian uh, lumber tariffs, etc. And what's interesting here is that various components did better than others. The current sales conditions were at 90, which means that investors still or buyers were still there. That really isn't the issue. Sales expectations in the next month fell two points. And I think that's a little more accurate because higher interest rates are going to impact demand some. Now, I think affordability is still there, but with the mortgage rates moving up to about three and a half, three and three quarters, that's certainly going to start to reduce the buyer pool overall. But inventory, it's still low. So it's going to take a little while for the a bit lower, marginally lower amounts of demand to start to feed into higher supply. Remember, the real estate market is slow. It is very, very slow. And so the, the higher rates and, and, and tougher uh, 
tougher market to build homes in, uh, it takes a while to, to kind of feed through. Now, buyer traffic fell two points to 69, but remember, anything about 50 is positive. So in general, the housing market, despite higher rates, despite a tougher labor market, despite higher input costs for construction, uh, still, I think, remains relatively strong in the short to medium term. Let's go to Mark in New Jersey, looking at FITB. Hello, Justin. Thank you for taking my call. Yes, Fifth Third Bank Corp. It's yeah. a bank holding company. Found it through searching through regional banks. Decent dividend, I see. Just wondering if this is an appropriate entry now with the financial sector on your watch list. Let me know what you think. <sighs> Here's my issue with financial. Now, the first thing, I like that you're looking at, I think that you're looking at regional banks. I've said that before. Those are going to do well in an environment where cost capital is going up. So this is... This, you're looking in the right area. Now, there was a pretty decent sell-off in the regional banks today. If you look at um, the KBE ETF, that was down over 3% today. Well, they might be indicating, and you saw that with a sell-off in the 10-year. The 10-year was off almost four basis points today, is that we might be near the short-term peak in interest rates. And so I would be waiting for a bit more of a pullback here. We're only uh, 5% from its 52-week high on, on Fifth Third Bank. I could see this turning into easily 10 to 15% pullback. So on Fifth Third, if I'm pulling up the chart here, if this wants to load. Come on. Sometimes it there you go. It's... Pretty slow right now. There you go. Uh, so right around 45, it's at 48 today. I think in that range, 44 to 45, that would be a range that I would uh, be interested in picking up uh, something like fifth third. So I'd wait for a bit of a pullback here um, and be patient with it, but I like what you're looking at. Thank you, sir. No problem. Now, the next and best talk story behind this headline, oil prices have hit a seven-year high, and the CEO of Exxon says it's hard to predict when the market might balance out due to the many players involved. Are you invested in oil? We're going to talk about that tomorrow, but for now, I'm Justin Klein. I'm ready to take your questions live at 888-99-CHART. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It is official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At this point, 
I think almost everyone has heard how generative AI promises to bring us to the next industrial revolution. AI is already shaping society with an impact on daily life that echoes the transformative significance of electricity or the internet. As we take steps to embrace the potential of generative AI, we need to remain vigilant with regard to its exploitability. This is where HackerOne comes in. HackerOne's AI Red Team addresses the novel challenges of AI safety and security for businesses that are launching new AI deployments. The HackerOne approach involves targeted offensive testing by harnessing the collective skills of ethical hackers who are proficient in AI and prompt hacking. In short, AI red teaming is the practice of stress testing AI models and deployments to make sure they can't be tricked into providing information beyond their intended use and that security flaws can't be exploited to access confidential data or systems. HackerOne seamlessly integrates with your existing tools to enhance communication and collaboration across development, security, and IT teams. So, stay ahead of the game in the battle against cyber threats with HackerOne's attack resistance platform. Learn more at HackerOne.com. That's H-A-C-K-E-R-O-N-E dot com hacker one dot com each day invest talk listeners submit their finance and investment questions via phone or email would you like your question to be put near the top of the list just take a minute or two to leave a review and rating for invest talk at itunes and be sure to include a brief question with your itunes review comments hi there um, i have a question about Advanced Micro Device AMD. Um, I have a very small position. It's up, still up 70% even with this recent drop. But I was thinking of selling that and purchasing Intel with those proceeds. And I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Thanks very much. Bye. I love this question because he's hopefully understanding the ebb and flow between AMD and Intel. Now, for the past four years or so, five years, AMD has slowly shrunk the advantage in quality of processors that they're producing versus Intel. For decades, AMD was a much cheaper, uh, worse performing producer of chips. And their profitability showed it. 2015, 16, they lost money. And they were always outsourcing their chip production to companies like Taiwan Semiconductor, whereas Intel was producing those chips to their own foundries here in the U.S. However, over the past handful of years, they've struggled to keep up with advancing technology. When I say that, I mean Intel. And producing their own chips at, uh, at, at, w with this new technology. And so AMD has capitalized on that. And they've gone from, once again, losing money in 2016 to making $3.35 expected next year or this year. And so, and so your, your bet is really that that will shift the other way. Intel has gotten rid of their former CFO, CEO. They've hired a CFO as their CEO. Uh, and they reinstituted a CTO, uh, chief technology officer as their CEO to fix a lot of these issues 
that have plagued them over the last few years. So really, this is a bet on them being able to write the ship, Intel being able to write the ship. And if that's the case, then that's going to be very good for uh, Intel and very bad for AMD. So that's what you have to you have to think about. You have to you have to uh, understand. I think there's definitely better value in Intel. They're nearly the same size company. Intel's a 218 billion dollar market cap, and uh, AMD is 155 billion. Although Intel does roughly five times the number of sales. And so, as long as you believe Intel can fix their issues, then I I like Intel uh, better. So I like this trade, and I would do it. This is Invest Talk. Let's keep things moving and hit two in a row. This question came in earlier on eight at eight ninety nine chart. Hi, Steve and Justin. I have a question about buying stocks. I was wondering if I bought a stock, but then I do you have to wait until after the settlement date to sell the stock? So that was my question, and I will be listening for the answer on your show. Thank you. Well, this comes down to your broker. Uh, we use TD Ameritrade, and we can buy and sell stocks the same day. Uh, there's no issue with that. Although official settlement of the shares don't happen for T, you know, T plus two now, mm-hmm. used to be T plus three. But each broker has its own kind of rules, and so you need to talk to your broker and see what you can and cannot do uh, when it comes to uh, selling a stock you just recently purchased. Uh, but most brokers now, yeah, you can you can buy, sell it as soon as you purchase it. Thanks for the call. Now let's touch a bit on the the wreck we've seen in 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 the market, uh, parts of the market. It's, you know, the market's not really down that much from its fifty-two uh, week high, what five percent or so. But shares of companies that don't make money, cash burning technology firms, biotech companies, and startups, a lot of them listed via SPACs recently, they've dropped a lot uh, over the past few months, uh, mainly since the Fed started to pivot their policy from dovish to hawkish. And that happened around October. On average, loss-making companies slid 25% from September 30th through last Friday. Whereas profitable companies, companies that actually make money, they gained 1.4% over that time frame. So that's why the market hasn't done a whole lot. You've seen this giant rotation. If you don't make money, your stocks are getting punished in a big, big way. Now, the NASDAQ Internet Index fallen 16% over that same time period, September 30th to last Friday. The NASDAQ itself was up 3%. 3.1, S&P up 8.2. So you're seeing that a rising interest rate environment is harder for these lost money, lost making companies to borrow money and grow capital and invest. And in addition, you're already seeing that leak into the IPO market as well. For all of last year, the first day of trading, the average IPO was up 30% compared to 45% of those, uh, uh, it was at 45% for those companies in 2020. And about three quarters of more than 300 companies that went public in the US had earnings per share below zero, three quarters. That just goes to show you how that environment 
uh, a lot of companies were taking advantage and a lot of people bought into stories and they were hurt dramatically, especially over the last few months. And it shows you how damaging higher cost of capital is for companies that just can't turn a profit. Now, Steve and I have said many times that we appreciate a diverse audience. And in fact, we receive caller questions from across America and around the world. So let's take a question now, this time from the United Arab Emirates. Hi, my name is Ali. I'm calling you from the UAE. I'm looking at BYND, Beyond Meat. I've owned it before and I did really well with it, but I sold it on a, on a, at a good time. I think that it really, has really come down significantly, and I think that's probably because of falling sales. But I just want to get your idea as to a good entry point. It has shown a bit of strength recently, and I was wondering what a good entry point would be. If you could let me know, uh, that'd be very useful. Thank you. Bye. A good entry point on Beyond Meat? Oh, I don't know, the single digits? <laughs> this is a $63 per share, down 71% from its 52-week high. It's a loss-making company. I challenged people a couple weeks ago, give me companies, bring me companies that have positive cash flow, that aren't a story, that have real businesses, not just real sales. A business is, is where you sell a product, you make a margin, and you make returns for your shareholders. You're not just there to pitch a story and sell stock. No, that's not what a business is. That's a scheme. That's why I call these companies Ponzi, Ponzi companies, Ponzi finance. There's nothing substantial behind it. Their business is horrendous. They've never made money. They're going to lose $2.22 last year, supposed to lose $1.87 this year. It's a story stock. And there's a lot of those out there. And guess what? Wall Street is fine with this. Why? Because Goldman and Morgan, they get to write these big IPOs and talk about this great story, and they earn big a big cut, a big commission on these IPOs. That's why you have so many of them. And now you see Morgan and, and, and Goldman, you see those stock prices getting hit dramatically because guess what? Market's not buying these nearly as much. And so what you need to do is go look at companies that are profitable. This last three months is not an anomaly. This is the new trend. This is the new trend. This is a normal market where the cost of capital is something. Now, there'll be shifts in monetary policy. Well, they'll get a more dovish, et cetera. But if you go and look at our, uh, our webinar we did in, was it November? We talked about inflation. And that inflation is secular. Now, oh, and secular means longer term. Why is that? Well, if you go back to that presentation, we talked about uh, more difficulty, uh, tighter labor markets because of demographics. You have China reaching uh, an era where they don't have as many cheap workers. That's why they're pivoting to more uh, internal growth because they don't have the workers to, they're, they're becoming less competitive on the international export stage because their, their workers are demanding more and more wages. They, they aren't pulling nearly as many people from the fields as they were over the last 25 years to go work in factories. And so that's inflationary. People bringing, our uh, governments trying, becoming 
more reliance on domestic manufacturing, trying to push for domestic manufacturing. So deglobalization in some way. There's a lot of different factors. That means inflation is likely to persist higher. And what does that mean? What is inflation much higher, a percent to 2% higher than what we've been used to over the last 20 years? What that means is that instead of the Fed consistently being dovish because inflation was always missing to the downside, inflation is going to start continue missing to the upside. And that means that the Fed is going to err on the side of being more hawkish over time. And that means the cost of capital is going to go incrementally higher. Okay. And that means you need to be invested in companies that make money, that can raise their prices in an inflationary environment, that aren't reliant on 0% interest rates and Ponzi finance, and aren't reliant on a story. Beyond Meat is a story. Still has a $4 billion market cap. Should be under a billion. They don't make any money. It's cool. It's interesting. You know what's interesting to me? Businesses. That's what's interesting to me. I don't know about you. I know stories are great. We're humans. We're, 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 by nature, we like to hear stories. We're interested in stories. That's not investing. That's not a business. A story is not a business. And there are far too many stories. And people are not paying enough attention to real businesses. And if the last three, six, nine months hasn't taught you that, I don't know what else to tell you. I don't know how, how to help you anymore been talking about this for months and months and months and months and months and months. So it's important for you to shift your mindset. Like I said with that caller before, he shifted over one more. He said, okay, I want to invest in EVs. I'm going to invest in commodity, commodities that go into EVs. Well, that's one step, but what about a commodity company that actually makes money? What about Understanding the supply de demand dynamics within that particular commodity and whether they're likely to be able to sustain profitability. Remember, investing is multifactorial. Let me say that again. Investing is multifactorial. If you can't understand the dynamics between those multifactors, you're going to struggle. There's a an economic backdrop, that's one factor. Their industry dynamics, that's another factor. There are shifts in the market that typically will overweight or underweight uh, particular types of stocks, right? Growth first value, factor investing. A lot of that has to do with liquidity dynamics, that's a factor. 
I just mentioned about three there. For any stock, there are a dozen plus that are important. And you need to understand the vast majority of those. Not just the story. Story is simple. Markets are not simple. Investing is not simple. All right, let's pivot to a voicemail at 888-99-CHART. Hi, this is Roy, and I'm calling from the Central Valley in California. And I'd like to find out about Verizon Communications. The symbol is VZ. I would like to know if this would be a buy, hold, or sell for you at current prices. Thank you, and I'll listen for your answer. All right, looking at Verizon, uh, it's rebounded from its low in December and is now looking pretty bullish. So I'm going to give Verizon a thumbs up overall. It's definitely not cheap yet. Uh, well, I didn't say definitely. It's a little bit below our fair value. Our fair value is in the high 50s. It's at 53 and change now. So it's maybe about 8 to 10% undervalued, which is pretty good for a company that's stable, pays a solid dividend. And I'm going to give Verizon a thumbs up. This type of company, remember, they make money. Shocking, right? 2021, this is just grow earnings by 8% over 2020. Trading at 10 times earnings, decent amount of debt. I don't like that, but return on equity is, is strong, 32%. So I'm a fan of Verizon. This is Invest Talk. I'm Justin Klein. We have one goal here is to help you achieve your own version of financial freedom. And our work continues after this final break. So get your questions in now at 888 chart. The market is constantly changing, and you've got to be ready to react. You'll have questions. Steve and Justin have answers. So listen live or download the free Invest Talk podcasts. The Invest Talk Anytime listener line never closes. 888 99 Chart. Hi, this is Alan from Hayward, California. Uh, love the show. I just read a book by Joel Greenblatt where he says a valuated index beats a market cap fundamental and equal weighted index over the long term. He's saying that a valuated index beats them all. I just wanted to know if you guys agree or disagree with that. Right now I'm passively investing in a market cap weighted S&P 500 ETF. And I'm just wondering if I should switch to a valuated ETF instead. Thanks, love the show, bye. Well, you're talking about factor investing. Now, you're invested in a market or a, an equal weighted S&P ETF. And that means that you're going to be more overweight mid and large cap or small cap companies as opposed to if you're just buying the S&P, you're going to be overweight large cap. And guess what? Over the long term, mid and small cap stocks outperform large cap. So all the all the statistics say. Then there's what you're speaking about, or Joel is speaking about, which is value factor. And he's correct. Over long periods of time, value outperforms growth. And so the best performing sector, or uh, yeah, I guess in, in the Morningstar is a style box, is growth or value and blend, which is kind of in the middle, large, mid, and small. Well, the best performing long term is going to be small cap value. 
small cap outperforms and value outperforms. Typical. Now, if you look at different time periods, you can find various time periods where obviously growth outperforms, large cap outperforms, but we're talking about 50 years plus. And so, yes, over the past 20 years, especially the last 14, growth is drastically outperformed. But that's very, very atypical. Once again, go back. You can see on our YouTube channel. Go to Invest Talk YouTube channel. Go to our uh, our webinar in November. You can watch the whole thing. And part of that is looking at um, look looking at the hundred plus year chart of value versus growth. And this recent run of growth over value is extreme is is rare. In normal times, value outperforms as it should, right? It's I'm paying a lower price for solid businesses. That's just that's common sense. And so not only should you be leaning towards value over growth today, but this if we're returning to a market where there is a cost of capital that's reasonable. It's not 0% interest rates forever. Then that's an environment where growth at all costs doesn't work. Growth that isn't value accretive doesn't work. And markets aren't rewarding it or markets aren't financing those type of companies. Let's go look at biotech companies. Biotechs are a good example. They're the extreme. They're the original Ponzi stocks. Long term. Value or biotech indexes don't do very well because the vast majority of the companies within them just burn capital to do research and, and try to find the next great big blockbuster drug. And occasionally some of them do do well, but the vast majority of them don't. And that's going to be the same thing in the growth side of the market is vast majority of them are going to have growth at all costs, and they won't be able to stabilize themselves into a profitable business. Some of them will. Some of them will be great franchises. And that's kind of the thought process, I think, for a lot of those investors is, hey, a lot of those these companies go to zero, which you're, some of them are on their way right now. And uh, a handful of them will hit it big. They'll be the next Amazon, Google, or, or Microsoft. And that will outweigh. That depends. So we'll see. But value definitely outperforms. Well, I think that does it for today's Invest Talk program. I'm Justin Klein. Steve Peasley and I thank you for listening. We encourage you to tell your friends and family about our free downloads, which they can find over at iTunes, Spotify, Spotify or Google Play. Now reaching over 38 million. Should, should hit that mark this week. Thanks to you. And if you want to leave a review on iTunes, we'd love that. We appreciate it. And if you leave a question with your review, we will prioritize your answer. Independent thinking, shared success. This is Invest Talk. Good night. Because of the nature of the interactive dialogue inherent in the format of this program, it's important for the listener to understand that not all comments made will apply to them specifically. Nothing said shall be taken to be investment advice or shall statements on this program be considered an offer to buy or sell securities. Such advice is rendered solely on an individual basis 
and at times will require that the investor review a prospectus before investing. InvestTalk is a copyrighted program of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial, a registered investment advisor, which retains all rights. For more information regarding KPP's investment advisors, call 1-800-557-5461. Steve Peasley is President and Justin Klein Chief Executive Officer of Klein Pavlis Peasley Financial. And they thank you for listening and welcome your comments or questions on our 24-hour listening line at 888-99-CHART. 